until after you were done talking did I start talking? I started talking right after you were done talking. Okay, and same. Okay. <laughs> all right, sounds like we're not. It just sounds like we're on like brain delay, that's all. <laughs> that's probably it. I mean, it, it's late. I did a lot of driving this weekend. Yeah. So that's probably just it. So totally forgot and had to publish the episode from my phone yesterday, <laughs> which thankfully, before we left town for our friend's wedding, I made all the graphics. I did all of the like stuff I could do with the with the episode like I- info like yeah. the metadata and everything. So all I needed to do was <laughs> upload the episode, which thankfully we have it the, the shortcut made so we can just grab it from our Dropbox. Yeah. So I just did that and uploaded it from my phone, and it worked like a charm. Until I remembered that I said in the podcast that our Patreon is now live. <laughs> and is that not true? I'm working on it okay. uh, as as we are speaking, <laughs> but I, I feel like this is the most us thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> to say, say something is up and ready to do and listen to and shit like that, yeah. and then I fuck it all up, uh, but... Uh, I, I do have some questions to ask you about that. Okay. I can ask you uh, off mic. I can ask you now and I can cut it out, whatever you would like. But it's just like some basic stuff. But by the time this goes <laughs> out on Sunday the 15th, it will be live and there will be a link in the description of this episode. Sweet. Yeah, I noticed that I, the, the tweet I, wasn't I'm as I'm setting wordy. myself up to fail again, right? <laughs> yeah. I noticed that, um, yeah, that's, you know, I do that all the time. They're like, you know, if you want to make sure that you, you know, keep yourself honest and meet your goals, tell somebody about them because then you'll be, you know, yeah. you'll be like, well, I got to complete it. Otherwise, you know, because I told Ted I was going to, whatever, lose five pounds and I haven't done it. So, you know, like it's just, it's a way to keep yourself honest. And that, that method does work with me, which is why I never tell anybody any of my goals. <laughs> so I never have to accomplish anything. <laughs> you never held to any standard. Yes. <laughs> Like, well, I didn't do that, but at least nobody knows that I failed. <laughs> uh, with that tweet, that is the one that automatically goes out whenever I publish the episode. Yeah. But, and here's how uh, how much I'm thinking three steps ahead. I normally always delete that tweet just because I don't like the way it looks. So, I set up, I turned on notifications <laughs> for the podcast account on my personal account to see when it always goes out because it always takes anywhere from like 5 to 15 minutes after I publish the episode for that to go out and I've forgotten about it before even in those 5 to 15 minutes yeah. so I just always delete it and then I send the the one that I think looks better but that one will probably go out I don't know midweek or something oh I see yeah yeah or today I noticed it wasn't why as- not who knows I knew you were out of town, and I noticed it wasn't as wordy as normal. It was just like, new episode, or whatever. It was like, best of season yeah. eight. It's like, that was it. It was like, oh, I guess this well, is it. Well, yeah, that one, it, it literally publishes the title of the episode yes, and a link yeah. to it. But it was like, new episode of No Hugging, No Learning, season eight, or season nine, episode one, The Butter Shave, plus top <laughs> episodes of season eight. Here's the link. But I, I, did, uh, I did make a tweet right before that with uh with the Kramer as a turkey gift. So we're th- right. uh, I'm just lucky that it was 
an episode with an iconic visual that is a gif to that I could like kind of use as a, a visual element. Yes. The other um like I know that we yeah, you know what, screw it. My kid's not good enough for another hour or so. <laughs> and my other one, I don't know where she is. <laughs> but I was like, the other thing that I know we gotta fit some extra bullshit for Patreon in that I think is perfect is like how about fucking Trevor Moore? Oh my god, dude! I, we found out about that at the wedding yeah. on Saturday night, and being bummed and at a wedding is not a recommended mix. Yeah, I, I had a feeling. God, yeah, I'm that, I'm so sad about that. That sucked. I was like, I yeah, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Uh, you know, it was like. Um, yeah, and just, uh, I, I haven't seen any more information. Like, I guess it's macabre to want to know, but, like, when you just see accident, and also because, like, he was streaming up until, like, I don't know, 10 or 11 or something like that. So something, what happened yeah. between 10 and 11 at night, and then all of a sudden the next day, you know? Like, 6 p.m. the next day, yeah, you're yeah. right. Like, when yeah, it, the, the the whitest kids, like, just started, like, getting back into the rhythm of things with Twitch. Yeah. Uh, like, Timmy's started doing the Zucchini Boys, um, which I think was like just him, so an offshoot of their Twitch. Yeah, but oh my god, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think the report said that it was like something sudden. Um, I, I, I hate to want to know what it was or what happened, but I, yeah. I want to know what happened. And then the other thing that people are like, they're like, man, I love Trevor Moore, and I'm really sad, but. I think he would want us to tell jokes about this. Like, can I tell a dark joke about Trevor Moore's death? I think he'd be okay with that. Like, not me personally, but I've seen people, you know, tweeting and, and on Reddit and stuff saying that. Like, it's okay to joke about this, right? I think he would. I think that's what Trevor would want. What's one of your favorite Trevor Moore sketches? Uh, I I posted a couple because I found a account on Instagram just called WKUK Clips. Yeah, and they have I, I think all the sketches, sketches or skits. What do you, always, what do you say? I go with sketches. I don't know why. Do you? Okay. Yeah. It's it's because I know it's sketch comedy, yeah. but I think like plural of that is technically skits. But a- anyway, I I found a couple of sketches, and I, I love Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> um. There's uh. I I loved a lot of like his music too. Yeah. Um. Uh. Get a new daddy was classic. <laughs> Uh, nail gun was my favorite of all time. Oh my gosh! The end of nail, nail gun. gun. Yeah, I remember watching. So uh, our our mutual friend. Um, oh no! Our mutual friend Gabe uh, is also a big uh, whitest kid you know fan, <laughs> and even younger than Ted. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and we we'd have these uh, live broadcasts out in the middle of nowhere at this car dealership, and one time we were just watching each other's favorite <laughs> whitest kids you know skit. Uh, skit. See, I said skit there. I think. Uh, sketches and um, yeah that was one of his I, and I don't remember what happens in it all I remember well I remember that someone gets a nail gun to the head I believe Trevor but then I you know <laughs> the ending is very shocking uh, I won't ruin I th- it I for anybody it's, it's, I think it's Sam because Trevor oh, okay. has the iconic nail gun <laughs> um, I, I always <laughs> love I love and I revisit it it's just it's a weird universal coincidence but Sarah is like always busy. Like she's w- she's always had like a busier, like tougher job than I've ever had. Mostly because I you know chose mm-hmm. radio and she chose like real work that makes actual money. Um, but and <laughs> she's money, the, yeah, yeah, and like re- actual real money. And she's always been the only one out of the two of us that ever gets jury duty notices in any place we've ever lived: oh. Virginia, Mississippi, and now Pennsylvania. And so she just got one 
for jury duty like last week and I always and she always threatens to pretend she's racist so I always end up playing that sketch for her <laughs> with Baron Vaughn the great Baron Vaughn uh, and Trevor Moore the other um, one I love is courtroom which is or the opposite day where he's like what if it's yes. opposite day in five four three it's like it's not opposite day that's not right your honor <laughs> I love that but that reminds me of another great one which and um I think it's Zach who plays Lincoln, but he's John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> and um, and so like Zach gets the bet. Like, he's basically the straight man for Zach's Lincoln, but the one where he's like, he's like, Mr. You know, he's talking during the play. And he's like, Mr. President, yeah. will you please be quiet? And he's like, oh, now you fucked up. Now you fucked up. Now you, now fucked, you fucked up. up. Now you, you have, have fucked up. up. Yeah, you have fucked up now. <laughs> yeah, my, my brother and I used to do that all the time to each other. You have fucked up now. Now you fucked up. Now you fucked up. I love that. Uh, yeah. Not only that, but like obviously just being a skit or a sketch, whatever. <laughs> he's not going to shoot him in the back of the head. He takes a claw hammer. He's hammering my butt. He's yeah. hammering my butt. <laughs> yeah. And the, like, that, and they're like, uh, I guess it's Sam and Timmy. You're like, this is the real story of how Lincoln died. Historian society was too embarrassing <laughs> that he got hammered to death in the ass or whatever. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah, I knew I knew you were a huge fan, too. So. All right. So should we get going? Might as well. I don't know <laughs> where this episode is going to end up time wise. So yeah, yeah. Uh, this is going to be fun or where it's even going to start. It might just be right here, in which case you should definitely get our <laughs> Patreon. And I'll say welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Voice, Season 9, Episode 2. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? The Butter Shave. I I know, here's the first thing I want to mention, is going back to the end of Season 8, I know I uh, promised an episode, or an appearance by a now famous face, semi-famous face anyway. I was like, oh, I think there's like a little weird cameo by a famous stand-up comedian. But I was mixing up the Butter Shave episode with an episode of Friends, that featured Todd Glass as an extra and also took place on an airplane. Okay. So, yeah. That was my, I really thought Todd Glass was going to be in the um, the butter shave, but but he's oh, not. I he wasn't. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what about actual homework? Chris Parnell. We wanted to know where he was in his career playing uh, one of the NBC studio execs in this episode, whether it's a cameo or whether it was a um, just another acting gig. He was born in Memphis in 67, which means he's 54 now. Get this, his dad, Jack Parnell, was a radio personality in Memphis. Whoa. And Chris moved to LA and auditioned for the Groundlings in 92. And while he was company player with the Groundlings for years, he started getting commercials and guest roles on sitcoms like Hope and Gloria, which is a 1996 sitcom that starred Cynthia Stevenson as Hope, a high-strung television producer, and Jessica Lundy as Gloria, a tough-talking beautician who became neighbors in an apartment complex in downtown Pittsburgh. Whoa. Yeah. It's uh, just so weird for a sitcom to not take place in New York City or L.A. It's like they're all... Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Those are the only two cities in America. Although I got to say their Pittsburgh set does... Like I just watched the um, opening credits, and their their Pittsburgh set does not look very Pittsburgh at all. And then at the end, they're like throwing a football back and forth. And one of them, I don't know whether it's Hope or Gloria, one of them's wearing a sweatshirt that says Pitt in giant letters, P I T T. But it is neither the colors of the University of Pittsburgh, which does go by Pitt, or any of the major sports teams which all have the same colors, black and yellow. So it's not blue and yellow or black and yellow. It's green and white. What <laughs> and the says, fuck? Yeah, I know. 
Oh my God! What is this, Michigan State? Yeah, it just looks so weird. And 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 Pitt is also written in like Times New Roman or something weird like that. It's like the default <laughs> font. Like, oh, we need something. Like, nothing is Pittsburgh about this. We need something. Oh, put her in a Pitt sweater. Yeah, fine. Go get one made. That's fine. It's like, okay, here you go. Comic Sans Pitt on green and white. <laughs> Perfect. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, he was also on Suddenly Susan, which you might remember was a time slot hit, thanks to following Seinfeld back in the day uh, in 1996. And he was also on another episode in 1998, playing two different characters. And he was on two episodes of Murphy Brown in 1998 as well. How did we forget to mention that in 1996, so before this episode, he was in Jingle All the Way, which is one of our Christmas episodes? I think we did mention that whenever we were talking about Jingle All the Way, Ob- yeah. obviously, because like seeing Chris Parnell, but... Yeah, we didn't touch on that at all last week. Yeah, we were like, yeah. But when we talked about it during Jingle All the Way, did we say Chris Parnell was also in an episode of Seinfeld? Or No, because we I didn't think I, so. I hadn't seen the episode yet. Yeah. But Tim, I, I hate to say this, but you fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna blame it all on Aaron. Aaron should should have known. The downvoter should have known. <laughs> But I'm like, or I'm like, we we might mention it. We might have Googled Chris Parnell and said, oh wow, he's in an episode of Seinfeld, like right then and there. It might people are just gonna have to go back and listen to it. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> but I can't believe that last week we didn't mention. Oh, Chris Parnell was in Jingle All the Way, which is, but we're doing it now. Okay, we're correcting that that wrong. Yeah, they're both very small roles. Yes, to yeah, be honest, yeah. he might be on screen longer in Jingle All the Way, actually. <laughs> I think he is. I think he is, because he's, what, one of the clerks at at the toy store. Yeah, who starts laughing at, um, what's-his-face, Arnold Schwarzenegger, because he wants a doll that obviously was sold out a million years ago, or whatever. And he was hired to the cast of SNL as a featured player, and debuted on the show on September 26, 1998, promoted to actual repertory player the following season. So, my verdict is just regular old acting gig. Awesome. Because, I, yeah. I love I love that. Because he that's really what he was doing like in ninety six and then in ninety eight he didn't is when he joined SNL and then he wasn't even a, a full cast member. He was just a featured player. But um in the get this, in the summer of two thousand one, I didn't know this, because of budget cuts and hiring four new cast members, Lauren Michaels had to fire two cast members and he laid off Chris Parnell and Jerry Minor over Horatio Sands, Rachel Dratch and Maya Rudolph. I guess those were all on the chopping block and he picked uh, Parnell and Jerry Minor, but then he rehired Chris Parnell in the middle of the following season. I never knew that. So so Jerry Minor's the only one who got the boot. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's done other so- stuff. <laughs> he's been he's been working pretty consistently, so yeah, so, and uh, kind of follow-up homework to that, are these the exact same network execs as Jerry's episode where he gets the attention of NBC, and they are not, but the NBC executives that approach Banya are named Jay Chermack and Stu Crespi, and the two executives that work with Jerry and George are Stu Chermack and Jay Crespi, so they just switch the first name. No names. fucking way. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> So you got to wonder, are Jay and Stu Chermack related and Jay and Stu Crespi related? This is literally the, can I copy your homework? Yeah, but don't make it too obvious. Change <laughs> it up a little bit. Obvious. Yeah. I mean, that's really some like Easter egg continuity there <laughs> by the writers. But Stu, the, the, the ones that work with Jerry and um, George are Kevin Page and Peter Blood and obviously Chris Parnell and, and some other guy who didn't end up being famous play the, the ones from this last episode. So it does further exemplify... Banya's writing of Jerry's coattails during the episode that kind of the same, you know, similarly <laughs> kind named. Kind of the same, but different. Exact. 
Yeah, kind of the same. Don't make it too obvious. <laughs> the episode also has a title card in memory of Brandon Tartikoff at the end. And he was NBC's president of entertainment from 1981 to 1991. And he died on August 27th, 1997, the same day live audience portions of the episode were filmed. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, at the age of 48, after lifelong complications of Hob- Hodgkin's lymphoma, Tartikoff championed Seinfeld in the rocky early days of its run. Lifelong complications of Hodgkin's? I guess, yeah. Jesus, how long did he have it? Holy fuck. Yeah, no idea. Yeah. Wow, that's awful. I know. So, uh, yeah, so we wouldn't have probably as much Seinfeld as we do without him. So that's why they gave him that little title card at the end. Uh, I did do a little extra credit, as I promised, on Sheena Easton's Morning Train, parentheses, 9 to 5, which is played when George gets a job at Play Now is enjoying the benefits of everyone thinking that he's disabled. The song was previously used, I had forgotten about this, in Season 8, Episode 3, The Bizarro Jerry, during Kramer's work sequence. Hmm. So it's really okay. the, the only song Jerry Seinfeld knows about putting in an honest living. <laughs> like, uh, what's a good song about working? Uh, just use 9 to 5 again, Morning Train. Uh, It was written uh, by a British songwriter and recorded by Sheena Easton in 1980, and it became her biggest hit. It peaked at number three in the UK under the title 9 to 5. And then in 81, it was released in the US and Canada, but then they changed the name to Morning Train, parentheses 9 to 5, because Dolly Parton had just had a hit with a song called 9 to 5. And I guess it worked because it went to number one in the US and Canada, becoming her only chart topper in those nations. And interesting, (laughs) um, Seinfeld employee universe here it's also used in the film euro trip which was produced and written by seinfeld's alec berg david mandel and jeff schaefer oh my god yeah so i i, I wonder if in the future euro trip can be one of our christmas specials just because of that like it doesn't have any actors but it was you know it has three of the huge writers so i'd be up i feel for like, that. i feel like we could do an entire uh group of episodes uh going back to our discussion on the american sex comedy yeah, 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 we did. That was another oh, one of sure. our great ideas, doing all of the, the 90s sex comedies and early 2000s sex comedies. Uh, here's some other trivia and tidbits from the episode. Elaine's European vacation was written in because she was still on maternity leave and wouldn't be back in time to shoot scenes with the rest of the regular cast. So exterior shots were filmed on the 25th. As I mentioned earlier, all of the live studio audience stuff was filmed basically on August 27th. And scenes with Elaine were filmed on September 6th. And the episode... Oh. Yeah, and the episode premiered, uh, let me see if I can pull that up really quick. Uh, the episode premiered on um, the 24th. I think it was October 2nd. Oh, okay. That's, that's oh, the voice. Yeah, yeah, right. the last, yeah, the last episode was the 24th. So she filmed hers like, you know, just a, just a few weeks before. <laughs> right down to the wire. Yeah, yeah. But so she wasn't still pregnant, but I was still kind of right that I was like, why is she, she's so covered up and... And this has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. And it's like they shoehorned it in. And it's because they shoehorned it in. <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely probably goes back to what you were saying last week is that George being a little baby or Jason Alexander being a little baby and saying, well, if I'm not going to be in the episode, then I'm leaving. Yeah. Yeah. And and I can't believe that. It, like, if I was Elaine, I'd be like, what? No, don't rush through an episode. Just say, you know, I'm in, I'm in Europe with Putty and then we'll, you know. It does kind of set up this episode, I guess, but the fact that it it has so little to do with the rest of everything really, um, you know, didn't make any sense for them to put it in. But there she is. We also wanted to know, did they know this would be the last season? And I couldn't really find a good answer to this, mostly because any articles about it from 1997 or or 98 are um, like behind 
a paywall. They're like, oh, you know, give us a dollar a week and you can access our archives. I'm like, no, <laughs> thanks. Um, but I did find this after nine years on the air, NBC and Jerry Seinfeld announced on December 25th, 1997, Christmas Day, how about that? Uh, that the series would end production the following spring of 1998. The announcement made the front page of all the major New York newspapers, including the New York Times, and Jerry Seinfeld was on the cover of Time Magazine's first issue of 1998, just a week later. Um, so, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, like, midway through the season is when they announced it. So, uh, as of now, people are thinking, th- they're not thinking anything. They're just thinking, yep, yeah. another full season and I will definitely expect more of my favorite show on NBC. <laughs> yeah, which is still that, number that's kind one. Of what happened, that's kind of what happened, I think. I, I know this is the second week in a row that I've mentioned Superstore, <laughs> but they just mentioned, like, once the last season had already started, oh, yeah, we're done after this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it wrapped up naturally, I think, and yeah. it, it was kind of getting to the point where uh, storylines were getting a little messy, yeah. but... Uh, I, I think it wrapped up at the right time. And that's kind of a different thing because, you know, the shows are like they'll premiere and they're on the bubble. And then like sometimes the writers are wrapping up anyway. But Seinfeld was still the number one show on TV. There was no reason to think that anything, you know, like stuff like Superstore or Brooklyn Nine-Nine or whatever. It's like every season could be the last season because it's just one of those shows that's just such a cult favorite yeah. that, you know, it's just barely hanging <laughs> yeah. on. But Seinfeld was number one. Or uh, Community a couple of years ago. Yes. I, I yeah. think it... It got canceled multiple times, even. Like, yeah, it, it yeah. didn't survive being on the bubble multiple times. Yeah, totally. And it still came back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But it doesn't answer the question as to, I, you know, I really want to know the behind the scenes, like, because I'm sure Jerry was like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, uh, at the beginning of, or at the end of season seven, like, oh, I'm going to hang it up. And nobody knew that. But NBC was like, well, how about a dump truck full of money? He's like, all right, one more year. And so he probably said the same thing. Like, no, season nine's the end. And NBC's like, probably at this point where we are now in September or October going, all right, how about two dump trucks full of money? How about three? You know, like they were probably trying to keep him as long as they could. So I wonder, Mm -hmm. I wonder when they did actually know, because the announcement couldn't have been the day, you know, like it couldn't have been Christmas Day. So I wonder when they actually found out, like, all right, this is not, you know, when they knew it was going to be the last season, I'd love to know. I know when the general public knew that was Christmas Day of 97, but I'd love to know when they were like, all right, can't do it. Can't convince him. Over the summer breaks, multiple Seinfeld staff members had broken up with their long-term lovers during overseas vacations, which inspired the direction for the Elaine story. And I got to I got to admit, like, <laughs> traveling, like, taking a long trip is definitely one of those things you should do with somebody before you get married. You know, take, like, a week long where it's just, like, you two are not out of more than five feet from each other, you know, for like four or five days and then really make sure, you know, <laughs> that, that you can live with each other. Yeah. You know, it opens up a whole yeah. new window into a person's soul. Because I remember like on our honey, even on our honeymoon, Sarah and I got into a huge fight because thank God we had GPS. But like the last day we were in Ireland and the last day in Dublin, there were these huge protests and we couldn't get back to our hotel and I didn't have the GPS charger. And so we got lost and like, Oh man, it was just like the honeymoon was over <laughs> right then for at least a little bit, you know, once we got out of the city. But yeah, I mean, traveling for long times, that's, uh, I-, I highly recommend it. The rooftop scene where Kramer is discovered to have butter burned into him was filmed on top of the CBS Studio Center commissary building with a cityscape background added in post production. So I can't believe we missed. It must have been their ble- their their green screen must be getting a little bit better because I can't believe we missed that a cityscape was added in up there. Yeah, it wasn't um it wasn't a, a, at least egregiously bad. 
Jerry's line, then let's then let's see how he does up there without all the assistance, is a nearly verbatim quote from one of Jerry Seinfeld's favorite things. That's the Buddy Rich chewing out his band uh, tapes. Um, quotes from Buddy Rich were also used in Seinfeld uh, episodes. The opposite, when George yells at the guys talking in the movie theater saying, let's go outside and I'll show you what it's about or something like that. And also the understudy. I don't remember which quote it is from the understudy, but it may be one of the things we have to review for the podcast is maybe these Buddy Rich tapes of him yelling at his band because they're in at least three episodes <laughs> of Seinfeld. And I remember a morning I'm, show I'm down. I listened to. Yeah, I remember a morning show I listened to. I think I've mentioned this every time it comes up. They used to use those. They used to play those tapes because they were like some of the first early celebrity freakouts that were made public before that was like, you know, a, a cottage market. And so, yeah, I, I think that may have to be on our list. After George gets his own bathroom, he says, I love that bathroom. It's got a high, high toilet. I feel like a gargoyle perched on the ledge of a building. And Jason Alexander voiced the gargoyle in Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame from 1996. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I little... didn't even put two and two together. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. A little fun Easter egg for Disney <laughs> slash Seinfeld fans. Here's another uh, continuity connection. George is granted a private bathroom at Play Now. And that's a reference to, uh, or it could be a connection to the season two episode of Seinfeld, The Revenge. George is upset that he's not allowed to use his boss's private bathroom and goes to great lengths of slipping him a Mickey as revenge or part of his revenge anyway, if you remember that episode. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I guess that's one of the things that irks George about his boss. I also found this kind of odd. I did a little extra credit and found that I was listening back and you mentioned that the flight, you know, the the announcements made on the airplane that I missed, they would say it's a 22-hour flight. And I was like, how long does it take to get from Oslo to New York City? The quickest flight is a nonstop uh, flight that's eight hours and five minutes. So you can get nonstop from Oslo oh to New York God. City in eight hours and five minutes. And it's only $577 round trip. I'm like, damn, like it, it must still be that not a lot of people are flying because to get to Europe for under $1,000, I'm like, that's... I want to cut like Sarah. Let's go to Oslo right now. <laughs> uh, that's not bad. The longest flight. Listen to this. The longest flight is eighty-five hours and fifteen minutes with three layovers. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but it's got to be like one hundred dollars then, right? To be that to be that long. See, that flight is three thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's why layovers like extended layovers like that make absolutely no fucking sense <laughs> yeah i mean that's over three days of travel yeah like if you're gonna make me wait that long i'm gonna be in three different airports you better cut my price by 80 percent. wait a minute it's got to be even more than that 85 hours oh no no yeah it's three and a half days of travel why does that still sound low? I don't know why. Three and a half days, 85. I'm doing it right, right? Like 85 divided by 24? Yeah, yeah, yeah 72 hours days. is three days. So you add okay. on a number 13. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's we three go. It's three days and 13 hours. Yeah, so three and a half days of, uh, of traveling for $3,000. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I don't know what the longest continuous stretch of time you've been uh, on like a flight or in airports is mine is one day and that's enough for me yeah yeah my my sister did that once when she was trying to fly into erie which by the way there's really no way to do unless you want a yeah 10 hour layover in philly <laughs> yeah and yeah, yeah we um we flew out of erie and into erie for our honeymoon 
but I, I don't know if I told this on the podcast before or not, but we flew from Erie to Burbank Airport because I paid the extra money to not have to deal with LAX, yeah. which was worth it. But to get to Burbank, we had to make stops in Chicago Midway uh, and San Francisco. Oh, my God. Um, and then halfway through our honeymoon, we went from Burbank to Palm Springs. So flying back, we flew out of the Palm <laughs> Springs airport, which is gorgeous, by the way. I, I will say that every chance I get. But we flew from Palm Springs to Phoenix to Charlotte to Erie. Wow. And and that return trip took 24 hours. Ugh, yuck. My God. <laughs> you need a vacation after that. Yeah. That's awful. So even with one stop, the longest flight I could find is 14 hours and nine minutes. So, okay. yeah, and a 22-hour flight isn't really realistic. So I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, and that's that's it. Oh, man. Okay, do we got any news or anything? I, I know this podcast has already gone long enough, and this is completely superfluous, but I have to mention it, that I just found out while I was waiting for Ted to jump on, AP Bio Season 4 starts streaming on Peacock exclusively September 2nd. Oh, shit. Yes, Hell yeah. Yes, I know. And Bruce Campbell is joining the cast as Jack's dad. Wow. I, it that's... looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. How many episodes yeah. is it this season? Do you know? It did not say. I- I'm guessing another like 8 to 12. I think they had to truncate it because of what they were able to film, what they were able to get done post-COVID. I think they were like, all right, well, let's mm. just cut it a little. So somewhere in the 8 or, to 12 or range. Or pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Yeah, or no, but... Well, no, they could only film post-COVID, like, well, or mid-COVID, I guess, still. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they started a production mid-COVID, and so I don't, I don't know what they were able to get done or how it affected the, the production schedule, but I'm thinking it's something like that, like, you know, 8, 10, 12, something like that. Okay. I, I do have one little bit, uh, a uh, Newman's mini mail sack, Ooh. if you will. I, I guess I have to unzip it, right? <laughs> yep. Zip. So uh, it comes from Caroline Kearns, and Caroline says, Hi guys, I messaged you a while ago and was pleased to hear the both of you found me learning English through Seinfeld as entertaining as I did. Mm. I love rewatching episodes and I'm understanding more nuanced jokes now. I've been trying to find a way to review the podcast for one of the stickers, but Spotify apparently doesn't have that option. Would I be able to buy one of the NHNL stickers? Let me know. Have a great weekend. Only reason I wanted to read this at the beginning of the episode, and I'll get into this more whenever I talk about the whole review process, if you can't find a way to review the, the podcast, just email us, send us a DM, we'll send you a sticker, if you're if you're nice to us and aren't just <laughs> demanding a sticker. Fuck so, you guys, yeah, Caroline, send me a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys fucking suck. I want a sticker, though. <laughs> Free sticker, please. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Caroline, thank you. Uh, we'll we'll send you a sticker. That's that's no problem. All that being said, what am I doing? I'm like skipping over all my shit. Yeah. Okay, we are not a research heavy show, despite the last fifty nine minutes being exclusively <laughs> homework and bullshit. We like to do our research the week following the episodes as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in lo- in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. Also in the description, you will find a link to our freshly launched Patreon. We've got a 
couple of different tiers that you can subscribe to for a low, low monthly fee. And we've got some bonus content up there right now that you can check out. Up there right now is our first ever bonus exclusive Patreon extra bullshit episode talking about the long-awaited review of Jerry Seinfeld in acclaimed children's animated hit B movie. Uh, so that is up. Uh, like I said, it's patreon.com slash no hugging. Link is in the description. And it's free on Netflix, by the way, if you want to watch it before you listen to us. Is it really? Oh, shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. I didn't know I that. Think, I, <laughs> I think thought I was going to have to rent this. No, I think it's all part of Jerry's deal with Netflix. Like, if you want Jerry, you get Netflix. <laughs> or you want, if you want Jerry, yeah, you get B-Movie. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, you must take B-Movie. Uh, it's not even a, a question. God. But uh, this will be the first time I've ever seen it, by the way. No way. Yeah. You have two kids. How have you never seen B-Movie? They were born after 2007. Well after 2007. <laughs> they have no reason I, I, to be interested yeah. in, in it at all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice, and we will send you a free holographic No Hugging, No Learning sticker while supplies last. If you do give us a rating, Tim, I would like to mention we are back to being a five-star rated podcast because uh, Numb Nuts, what's his name, must have deleted his one-star review, the only one-star review we had ever gotten, but I mean... By that nature, the only non-five-star review we had ever gotten. Yeah, sweet. So, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what made him change his mind, but good. I don't know. I, I don't know if he is still listening to this. If he is, I apologize for calling him Num Nuts. What's his name? <laughs> um, if he is not, no apology necessary. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All that being said, Season 9, Episode 2, The Voice Original air date, October 2nd, 1992. I was four years, nine months, and 12 days old. And if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, Tim, we have 21 episodes until we become a... Hmm. Um, a... Uh, some sort of something with airports and um, maybe, like, should we live in an airport for 24 hours and see... And then just... <laughs> Just podcast, not the whole thing, but like just the highlights are released, you know? We, we, we just become Tom Hanks in Terminal. That's <laughs> yeah. that's what we become. I like the, I wish we could, how about we like draw two world cities out of a hat and then we try to get on the longest flight connecting those two cities with as many layovers <laughs> as we can. I mean, it's going to be expensive because obviously this 85 hour flight with three layovers from Oslo to, to New York City is three thousand dollars but so that means the the patreon for this terminal podcast the term cast no that doesn't work <laughs> I, I think it's got to be like terminally stupid yeah yeah terminally the worst i don't know something like um yeah so all we have is one one thousand dollar tier and we just need three people to do that you know and we can, why don't we, we just do... make one three thousand dollar tier i ted you're just being ridiculous no one's gonna pay that much <laughs> Fine, the, the tiers are 1,000, 3,000, and 10,000. <laughs> uh, and it's oh Patreon exclusive. Wow. The, so these, wow. Are almost like, these are almost like NFTs, you know, because only one person, I'm sure, is going <laughs> to want to um, subscribe, you know. This is a great idea. Oh, my God. Uh, it's a great idea. Yeah, <laughs> I love it.
All right, if you're looking at TV Guy the night of October 2nd, 1997, you are going to see as Jerry risks losing a girlfriend over a joke, George continues to work despite being asked to leave, period. Elaine finds breaking up is hard to do, and Kramer hires an assistant. Hmm. It's very long. We'll see what we can do with it when we get to the end of the episode. Uh, we start with a cold open. Uh, we are at Play Now, where George still works, even though uh, you might remember, as we're learning in this episode, George's boss is confronting him about not actually being handicapped. And I, I like George is still buying into this, like, well, I've had my difficulties. Like the whole thing that he was explaining <laughs> to Jerry earlier, like, name one advantage I have by being, you know, not disabled over that a disabled person has over me. So he's still doubling down on that, saying, well, I've had my difficulties. And he, he still tries to lie his way out of it, too, saying in times of intense stress that people have superhuman strength. But, you know, his boss isn't buying it. But he's like, we did sign you to a one year contract. And but we don't like you and we'd like you to leave is essentially how the conversation ends because George isn't reading between the lines. Like, what are you saying? And the boss is finally like, we don't like you. We want you to leave over at monks. George hey, tells, hang on. yeah, before, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Before we go over to monks, I got to point out, we finally get his boss's name as Mr. Tomasulo. And I think this is the longest we have had to wait for the name of a new character. An entire episode. Does he say it in the first scene here? Because I didn't catch it until much later. Yep. Yep. Mr. He said it in the first scene? Oh, I did not yep. know that. Yeah, I didn't even catch it till the end. But yeah, Mr. Tomasulo. Okay. <laughs> uh, and we go over to Monks where George is telling Jerry that he is staying at play now. Elaine enters and George and Jerry do the titular voice from the title of this episode. And they say, hello, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> and I love this back and forth where Elaine's like, what is this? And Jerry's like, oh, it's stupid. And she's like, oh, I'm sure it's stupid. I want to know what it is. I love that. <laughs> I feel like this is something I've cribbed from from Seinfeld when someone doesn't want to explain and they say something like that. I'm like, oh, I I'm sure it's dumb, but just tell me what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jerry is seeing this new woman, Claire, and it's kind of an inside joke between George and Jerry that her stomach stays awake and talks to Jerry after uh, she's asleep, and that's the voice that the stomach uses. We never got a clarification about this. Is her stomach, like, grumbling? Is it just making noise whenever she's sleeping? Or is this just all in Jerry's imagination? I think it's the second one, but it's funny that you mention it. This is the first time I've watched it and realized that. I always thought it was like, oh, you know, she goes to sleep and you can hear your tummy rumbling. And so that's what I, that's, I've always thought that's what it was. So it's interesting that a first time viewer also thought the exact same thing. <laughs> but I really think it's just that like he stays awake and I don't think it's because her tummy grumbles or anything like that. I'm guessing that whatever nightshirt she's wearing, he can see her belly button, at least, because he says, like, the belly button is like a little mouth. Yeah, that that's possible, too. Or it's or that part's in his head as well, and he just imagines talking to it. <laughs> well, I know that Jerry and George have weird conversations anyway, but it's weird for just two bros to be sitting around and talking about one of their girlfriend's belly buttons, you know? It's like, I don't know, like, <laughs> falling asleep next to them. It's just not, like, how did that come up, you know? <laughs> I guess with the voice. Yeah. I guess that's where the voice comes from. That makes it not sexy. So Putty comes in and Jerry, you know, he sort of greets Elaine and it's kind of an awkward, broken up conversation. But Jerry says, oh, you guys are getting back together. The bump into means they're <laughs> getting back together. And he's like, breaking up is like pushing over a Coke machine. It doesn't happen all in one thing. You got to tip it back and forth. And George <laughs> looks at him and goes, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think Jerry says like the, the bump into always leads to the backslide. 
Backsliding, yes. And Elaine bets $50 that she will not backslide. Over at Jerry's apartment, Claire is leaving. Kramer comes in, and as she's leaving, he shuts the door and starts doing the voice. Hello! Superman is still on the shelf, by the way. <laughs> oh, and not only that, yeah. I, I, we got to point out that he's saying he's throwing out his belt because oh, yeah. <laughs> last, ni- last night at the movies, he had uh, an aggressive belt undoing. So the cla- the uh, buckle of the belt touched the inside of the urinal. So naturally, he has to throw it away. And Claire even says, "So you're insane." And Jerry just replies, <laughs> "Oh yes, quite." Oh yes, yeah, yeah. And he does it. It's it's another little glimpse <laughs> into his Patrick Bateman ish <laughs> um, nature. But also, this is one episode after. In the last episode, we didn't mention it. I don't think because it was just kind of an extra deal. But he's getting rid of a shoelace because it was it was untied in a bathroom and it touched the men's room floor or whatever. So he's getting rid of the entire shoelace. But a belt is definitely higher stakes <laughs> than just a plain old shoelace. And Kramer reads in the newspaper that they're redoing the Cloud Club, which is a restaurant on top of the Chrysler building. And that was Kramer's idea. And I love that I love Jerry's line here. Which part was your idea? The renovating the restaurant you don't own or spending the $200 million you don't have? <laughs> and Kramer just like kind of disregards that. Like he just disregards uh, yeah, Jerry's yeah. burn. Which, by the way, I'm going to write down the Cloud Club and see what the deal with that one was. I wonder if it was even a revolving restaurant. I don't think so. I think the only ever revolving restaurant. But I want to know if it's still there and, and stuff like that. So I'm going to write that down for homework. And Kramer's like, I have all these great ideas and he can't execute them because he doesn't have any time. It's all these menial tasks like doing laundry or coming over here. He says, do you know how much time I waste in this apartment? And Jerry just like stares at him and just finally goes, I could ballpark it. (laughs) 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 Elaine comes in and she's doing the voice now. And Elaine, Jerry called her and she wasn't in. And Elaine was out with a friend last night and it wasn't George. And Jerry goes, oh, that's it. You know, that's all the friends. So what's going on? And then he notices her hair is de-poofed, which she tries to explain away by saying it's just the latest trend. Yeah, she. Do you hear what she called the latest trend? Heroin chic. Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge is, '90s trend. Was that the name of the trend? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It I was. didn't know. I didn't know that was the actual name of it. Like super skinny and like um, gaunt supermodels, and like Kate Moss. I feel like was maybe the face of heroin wow. chic around this time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, All let's right. put that down. Why not? Let's do a, a medium dive on on heroin chic. And her hair is depoofed. And she's wearing the same shoes. And then Jerry discovers she's even wearing the same clothes from dinner last night or from from yesterday. So he's like, pay me up 50 bucks. And she was like, no, that's she was like, it was a one time. um, This isn't where she says that. Wait, is it? Yeah. A one time, an isolated sexual incident. So that's why she's not paying the 50 bucks. Yeah. And that's when Jerry says, like, people don't just bump into each other in the street and have sex. This isn't Cinemax. (laughs) Yeah. Which I feel like is a very cheesy joke. Like back in the (laughs) 90s, like Cinemax was still Skinemax. But now. Now it's like porn's everywhere, you know? It, like, it used to be like that's yeah. the one place you could see softcore <laughs> porn regularly, but now it's like, <laughs> now it's it's in every single TV show, you know? Emmy-winning TV shows have just random sex. Yeah. So, um, just a very dated joke. This isn't Cinemax. Hold for standing ovation. <laughs> and all right, we're going to have to cut some of that, but it was a good laugh. Um, yeah, but she's like, we're not back together, but dinner was involved. And Jerry's line here is great. Sex. I understand that. That's meaningless. But dinner, that's like an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Dinner is a commitment. Yeah. Dinner. You guys are definitely back together. Um, and then Kramer 
puts a button on the seat by noticing something else in the newspaper. Uh, 2.9% on a Toyota one ton. That was my idea too. <laughs> Which at, at this point, I pause it just to keep up with my notes. Yeah. This was a long scene. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But a ton of great was, laughs in this it. This was... It, it, there were. This scene was three minutes long. How how often do we get three minute scenes? Not this early in an episode, certainly. I mean, this early in the episode, they're yeah. really they're moving along just to establish all of the locations and people, and and we've already got basically everything we need. We haven't really met. Well, no, we did just meet Claire at the beginning of this scene, so that's it. They just got a lot done in this first scene or this third scene, I guess, if you count the cold open. Over at play now, George is coming into work, and all of his coworkers are telling him to go to hell. <laughs> and I, I feel like as a coworker, I'd get over this pretty easily. What do you think? Um, yeah, yeah, probably. Unless it was like directly like hindering me or how much I was being paid or what I was able to do in a day, I don't think I would care. Yeah, like maybe I. I, I would just laugh at like. Thomas Sulo hired a guy that he thought was handicapped, but it turned out he was just he, yeah. he was just shitting him. So I understand yeah. Thomas Sulo's, you know, uh, some disrespect from the like. Can you believe that idiot Thomas Sulo thought this guy whatever? But uh, he's pretty funny. I mean, you know, what what do I care? You know, he doesn't use the handicap spot anymore, and the bathroom. Who cares? Whatever. If you you know, I, I feel like I really wouldn't be any skin off my ass if, if George. I wouldn't yeah, be telling really. him to, wouldn't go out of my way to tell him go to hell like a lot of these people do. If I was the woman who picked him up or the guy he tripped then i'd be pissed but, but anybody else i'm like what what do you care you know and kramer's uh, i'm sorry in the apartment kramer is giving a tour to darren who i always thought was kind of famous maybe he just looks like a guy who was famous in the 90s but i'm gonna write down darren actor as well because i feel like he went on to do some other stuff but darren is intern from nyu for kramerica industries he's like nyu has these kids they want to get real world corporate experience but jerry has another great line <laughs> but you only offer fantasy world corporate experience <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they're going to work on Kramer's idea for a bladder for oil tankers, which Jerry says is actually a pretty good idea. Uh, but then he kicks him out. Is this the first we've heard of Kramerica Industries? It can't I, be. It seemed like it to me, but Kramer's talking about it as if he mentioned it a long time ago. So maybe I'll do a little dive on that and, and try to find out when the first time they were mentioned was. Because it sounded new to me, but it might just be in the universe of the show, like Kramer mentioned it before the show started in our, you know, yeah. in, in the universe. We, we may just be thinking of Vandalay Industries and just getting right. them confused. Right. But Kramer's definitely had a lot of ideas that, like the coffee table book and the pizza place or whatever, that he might have thrown it in in one of those adventures. But I just, you know, I just don't know. George calls from his new office, which he says is like some kind of bunker, and he compares it to, he, it's like he's in Hitler's last days. And Jesus Christ. Yeah. It really, it's like a storeroom of some sort. And it, George isn't leaving, though. He's invigorated. Now he's going to fight to stay at play now. Darren beeps in and is trying to schedule lunch at Monk's Coffee Shop with Jerry in 10 minutes. And he'll call back in five minutes to confirm. Uh, Elaine comes in and Jerry calls Darren to let him know we'll be three for lunch. But I love this. You only, we only hear Jerry's part of the conversation. He's like, What do you mean he already left? And then Kramer comes right in the front door. And Jerry's like, Oh, I was just, uh, Elaine's going to join us for lunch. He's like, How come I didn't hear about this? And he screams, Darren! 
and starts walking back across the hall. <laughs> I, I thought this was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, really, really funny. I love that. But like, what do you mean he already left? And boom, he, he does the Kramer entrance. Over at Elaine's, she is reading a book on the couch, and we hear her inner monologue talking to herself, kind of talking herself into and then out of calling Putty, needing these pair of gloves. And she reaches over to call. She's like, well, I need those gloves. And notices that they're right by the phone. And she's like, oh, that's funny. You know who likes funny stories? David Putty. And uh, starts picking up the phone to call him. <laughs> Over at Monk's, George says that Play Now has turned up the heat in his office. And I think this bit would have been funnier with a darker shirt. Because as the scene went on, I noticed he had like sweat stains everywhere. But he's wearing a yellow shirt, so it barely showed up. I'm like, in standard death, you probably would miss this. Yeah. I think like a light blue shirt with like dark blue patches of sweat everywhere would have been hilarious. But um, and Darren is taking notes. He's writing down everything everyone's saying because Kramer's in a meeting with Mr. Lomez right now and he doesn't want to miss anything. And so George mentions also what's been going on at play now. They send in some guys to sandblast for a few hours and next week they're putting in asbestos. (laughs) God, we're putting asbestos in this office. I I love Jerry's line. He's like, I guess you can take anything but actual work. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kramer comes in and Darren starts going over his minutes from Jerry and George talking. Uh, he's like, the ver- they first they had an argument of, about whether Iron Man has some sort of undergarment underneath his armor. And George is on <laughs> Team Commando and Jerry is on Team Underwear. And now that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is such a thing, I think we know that Iron Man is clothed underneath his armor. Oh, absolutely. Because we know that he just like, I mean, it started as him being placed into the suit by Jarvis. Yeah. Then it was in a suitcase. Now it's just like a like disc that he throws and a button that he pushes. Yeah, nanobites or whatever. Yeah, now he doesn't have to do fucking anything, (laughs) but it's him fully clothed in the suit. Yeah, so I can't believe that the comic universe didn't address this, that anytime he got into the suit, surely there was a scene of him stripping or something, you know, a panel of him stripping. (laughs) George, and then Darren mentions that George took ice with his bare hands from Jerry's water glass to wash up while he was gone and mentioned to me, this never happened. (laughs) (laughs) At which point, Jerry spits out the water he was drinking out of that glass and glares at George. So in Jerry's apartment, Jerry and Claire are laying in bed and Jerry starts chuckling as they're going to sleep. And she wants to know what he's laughing at. So he starts to explain. And then we cut to Claire storming out of the bedroom, just pissed off that uh, she thinks that they're making fun of how fat she is or something because the voice is so deep and jovial. And Darren comes in in the middle of all this and says, Mr. Kramer says, hey, buddy, and goes through Jerry's apartment, goes through Jerry's uh, refrigerator. (laughs) and then exits again and Claire storms out of the apartment in total and Kramer comes in he's like boysenberry the kid's still learning and returns the yogurt for better yogurt (laughs) meanwhile Darren screams from across the hall that the dean from his internship is on line two and wants a meeting and Jerry's like line two he's like yeah your phone's line one so what time is it right now because Jerry and Claire were going to sleep but the dean from Darren's internship is calling asking for a meeting so are Jerry and Claire going to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon or is the dean making calls at like 11 o'clock at night like that's normal yeah holy shit I didn't think about this Or or have Jerry and Claire been fighting all night uh, and it, yeah. and it's now like 9 a.m. Yeah, maybe it's the next. It, it doesn't seem like it's the next morning. It seems like she's. But yeah, may, maybe that's the way we'll explain it away. Because she's <laughs> she wakes up and she's still angry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what time is it when when the dean called? I'm like, what's going on? The other the other explanation I can think of is that Kramer listed his hours as like because he tells he tells the dean or he tells Darren to not make an appointment before noon, nothing before noon. So maybe he put his hours as like, you know, 2 p.m. to midnight or something like that, or, or even 5 p.m. until 5 a.m. 
something weird, you know, weird Kramer hours that his business yeah. is open. And so maybe that's why she's calling then. I don't know, but it's weird. Over at Elaine's, Putty and Elaine are picking up their clothes and getting redressed, presumably after making love. And Putty does say, oh, so the gloves are right by the phone. That is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Love Patrick Warburton as just everything he says. Just one of those guys. It's like, could you imagine getting, he's got a life where he has to like deliver bad news that like their dog died or something, you know? And I'm like, could you imagine like looking at him with a straight face? Like your dog died. Like, oh my God, that's hilarious. (laughs) Well, you know that uh, Patrick Warburton's voice has been a trending sound on TikTok the last few weeks, right? No. Yeah. There's a bit from Family Guy where Chris, one of the Griffin's kids is like pretending that like Joe Swanson is his dad and uh, Patrick Warburton plays Joe Swanson. But Joe Swanson uh, says something like, all right, sweetie, we're, uh, I'll have to look up the audio. Maybe I'll insert it here. All right, sweetie, you ready to get some new notebooks and protractors and slacks? I want blue jeans. You're getting slacks! <laughs> and people are remarking that it's weird to hear him like yelling at a kid because he probably does that in real life. Is that the... Oh, no, no, they're just no, like... A, it doesn't do, it, okay. they're, do, they're putting their own spin on it but got it got it okay. uh, a thing i've seen is like are you ready for your 30s uh we got to get you some anxiety about <laughs> dying we got to get you some parents dying we got to get you <laughs> some family and friends moving away but i want to travel to europe you're getting anxiety <laughs> but that, that does bring up a great point is like that he's got to yell at his kids sometimes i'm sure and it's like i bet that's absolutely <laughs> <probably> hilarious <laughs> Or just like, kids, grandma's dead. Like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> just <laughs> there's no there's no two ways around it. You're just one of those guys. Everything's funny. H. John Benjamin, too. I mean, they have very similar voices, but that'd be another guy that I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't I can't take you seriously. Come on. <laughs> and I think that's why Bob's burgers work so well, because we do get to hear H. John Benjamin yell at kids, but like no one takes their dad seriously at all. He's just so put upon. And Putty remarks to Elaine, they're talking about how good the arrangement is. He's like, oh, yeah, I love just seeing you and having sex (laughs) without all the work, you know, like calling you and buying you stuff and hearing how everyone at work is not as smart as you. And Elaine's like, hey, come on. (laughs) And she's like, I think she even says, like, that's it. We're back together. Pants off. We're cuddling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're spending the night. We're cuddling. It's funny that the getting back together talk is what sounds like a breakup talk. She's like, that's it. We're back together. She's like, oh, come on. Be reasonable. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. Yeah, you're cutt- we're cuddling. <laughs> Over a play now, George comes in to work in the morning, and his office has now been boarded up with a giant piece of wood and two pieces of wood crossing that over. And (laughs) the next scene is from inside his office and him busting through the vent. He calls his boss's secretary. And this is where I wrote down Mr. Tomasulo. Could you pass a message on for me? If uh, he needs me, I'll be in my office. And then, yeah. And then we cut to NYU, which is still there. I did genuinely because it's written on this. It's written on the building. I tried to read what NYU building this was, and I couldn't see. I couldn't tell. Uh, it looked like it started with an OU or an RU. I'm sorry, RU or RO. Damn it, RO. It looked like it started with an RO, but I I don't know. There's so many NYU buildings as you might imagine in oh yeah yeah in the area. So. 
And we're meeting with Dean Jones, which I think is a joke in and of itself, because Dean Jones was a very famous actor in like the Disney stable of stars, like any live action Disney movie that was made in like the 50s, like Herbie the Love Bug or the Shaggy D.A. or any of those. Dean Jones was in it. So I'm thinking it has to be a reference by Jerry to that actor. But Dean Jones is looking over Darren's internship journal and sees that he's doing laundry and mending chicken wire and having high tea with a Mr. Newman. And she's like, as near as I can tell, your apartment is just, or your business is just one solitary man in a messy apartment that may or may not contain a chicken. I love the way she delivered that line because she's like running out of breath. It's like solitary man in a messy apartment that may or may not contain a chicken. <laughs> and, and Kramer's follow-up is great too. With Darren's help, we'll get that chicken. <laughs> Where did he get his first chicken? Remember, he had a, a cockfighting chicken. Um, I hope that's Kramer's right. not getting back into cockfighting, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's probably why he's repairing the chicken wire is yeah. from the cockfighting, right? Yeah, yeah. From the chicken that maybe, yeah, destroyed the pen he was in or whatever. Dean Jones tells Kramer that they can't allow Darren to continue his internship at Kramerica Industries. Over in Jerry's apartment, Claire is there and they're kind of reconciling. Claire says she's fine getting back together as long as Jerry never does the voice again. And so Jerry has to decide between getting back with Claire or doing the voice. And we get a little montage using the Lionel Richie track, Hello, which is a pretty funny (laughs) track to use when the main word they say with the voice is, Hello! And I never noticed that before, this viewing. Not only all that, but we get the same scene at the end of the montage that we got in, I think, season six and season seven with uh, Jerry and George determining like whether or not they want to continue their relationships with their respective people. Yeah, to get engaged or not or how far. Oh yeah, definitely. It's the same he's on he's on the same pier on the same bench (laughs) trying to decide. And we get little dream little little um dream sequences. One is dinner with Claire and one is dinner alone doing the voice at the exact same restaurant. Just for the people yeah, just for the people like playing the music. Yeah, and I love how how like he goes hello, la la, and they crack up at it. And this had to me Lloyd's daydream in Dumb and Dumber about him and the other, you know, whatever Lauren Holly, whatever her name is. If that, I, I don't even know if I got the actress's name right, but how he's like imagining, you know, dating her and and skiing with her and stuff. And then at night they're partying and he's like doing dumb stuff, like lighting his farts on fire, and the whole place is like cracking up. It really had echoes of that for me. But then he does run through the seagulls as he normally does to Claire's apartment and knocks on the door and he goes, hello. So he has chosen the voice. <laughs> but I did love that they picked Lionel Richie. Hello. You know, it was like pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's great. Over in Jerry's apartment, George lets on to Jerry, tells him that he's tired of the voice and he thinks he likes the girl better than the voice. Elaine comes in and Jerry does the voice again and she goes, ah, still? So everyone's pretty tired of this. Meanwhile, he she does pay Jerry $50 because she's like, you know, I, I did backslide, but you know, we are breaking up for real this time. And Jerry goes, oh, double or nothing, which Elaine is in on. George is in the bathroom again because he says, <laughs> I think play now is putting something in my food, <laughs> which is amazing. Kramer comes in and he's wearing some of Jerry's clothes and he's got like the Jay Leno. It, it, the shirt's not denim, but it's denim colored. It's definitely denim colored and the same color of denim that the, of the jeans he's wearing and the jeans like come up to the middle of his shin which is hilarious <laughs> it looks so weird seeing kramer even weirder than like business kramer seeing business casual kramer or whatever you call jerry seeing normcore kramer i guess rather than like thrift shop kramer was really weird it, it almost just looked like michael richards i'm like oh that's not kramer that's michael richards 
oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's wearing Jerry's stuff because he just pulled it out of his closet because Darren dropped off his laundry someplace. He does, and now that Darren doesn't work for him anymore, he has no idea where it is. And then he looks at the microwave clock. He's like, is that clock right? I was supposed to pick up Newman from the zoo 12 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> So, nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I guess it must be. It was yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 12 hour, being 12 hours late for something is just hilarious. And then Kramer, you know, exits, but then he comes back in to tell Jerry that the voice is played, man. So played. So everybody's tired of the voice that Jerry has broken up with Claire in order to keep doing. In the apartment building, Darren knocks on Kramer's door and says he doesn't care about NYU. He believes in Kramerica. And Kramer tells him, well, go home. Kramer, you know, it's over. And he closes the door, but just as soon as he does it, he opens it and he goes, oh, you're still here? And Darren's like, oh, I, I haven't had time to leave. He's like, well, I haven't had time to change my mind. So you're, it's over. And he closes the door and opens it again. And is like, oh, all right, you are tenacious. And uh, decides to get to work on Kramerica Industries once again with Darren. I like that, you know, kind of a sight gag deal. It's like, you're still here? Like, and then Darren completely, like, almost breaks scene, is like, oh, I, I haven't had time to leave. I, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Over at Play Now, Mr. Tomasulo is offering George a deal. If you leave now, we'll give you six months pay. That is half of your one-year contract. And George is like, well, if I stay a year, I get it all. And Mr. Tomasulo is like, oh, you want to play hardball, huh? And he picks up the phone and makes an announcement over the intercom saying that George's bathroom is now open to all employees and their families, <laughs> which I thought was a weird so thing I to throw in. Yeah, yeah. I, I think George just asks like, hmm, touche or, or some some line. But Tomasulo says, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> yeah, they really want George <laughs> so to go to hell. Yeah, so, so we know, like, not only he wants George to go to hell, Thomas Sulo thinks that he is an evil enough man that he knows he's going to hell. Oh, I'll see you in hell. Yeah, I don't think you rise to <laughs> Thomas Sulo's position at any... I mean, Play Now looks like a big company. They got an entire building, you know, presumably somewhere in Manhattan. I mean, you just you just have to be... You have to sell yourself out at some point to reach those uh, Thomas Sulo heights. But I love that all employees and their families... I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we've talked at length about... The benefits of a very nice bathroom when walking around Manhattan, but you know, you got to wonder if that's such a big problem for people actually who live in Manhattan, or you know, you got to yeah, be really. near the Play Now building. Is it even near anything, you know, or is it like in the financial district where there's no reason to bring your family? But it was a funny thing to, to add in at Jerry's apartment. Jerry is on the phone with Claire, reconciling, saying, "You know what? The done. We're done with the voice. Of course, I was stupid to uh, give you up for that." And Jerry and George here in the hall kramer and darren pushing a giant drum of oil through the hallways and george offers a giant rubber ball from play now for the test and says also why don't you test the bladder at my office as well uh, over at monks elaine is telling putty this is sort of like a, a montage so elaine says we're through and putty goes oh that's a nice sweater and cut to elaine's bedroom <laughs> post rail session uh, and then we get another <laughs> shot of Jerry's apartment where she slams down presumably $100 because this was double or nothing. Yes. Un until we get to the very end, I was thinking like it it's surely doubling every time, right? That's what I thought. So, but maybe this first one was double or nothing because he says, go again. And she's like, book it. And so <laughs> we cut to Elaine's apartment where she's like, David, I know it hurts, but this is the way it has to be. And then we just see Patrick Warburton's very dreamy eyes staring into Elaine's 
And <laughs> then we get Jerry smoking and laughing as Elaine slaps down money.gif. There's another famous <laughs> Seinfeld gif that will come up if you just, I think basically if you just God. put Seinfeld into the, maybe Seinfeld laugh, maybe you have to add laugh or something, but I know it comes up pretty frequently when I'm looking for Seinfeld gifts. And this, I did write down $200 because I'm like, if this was double or nothing, this is $200. But I did notice that okay. Elaine is slapping down $1 bills. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe it was just 50. Well, because of what happens at the end too. So Jerry and Elaine are at a movie and Elaine's like, I'm going to go get some popcorn. The next morning, she comes to Jerry's apartment with sex hair, wild sex hair, and asks Jerry, oh, how'd it go? Or how'd it end? And hands him more money. And Jerry's like, oh, they got away. Uh, And then we get another (laughs) shot of Elaine and Putty post-banging. And as they're getting dressed, Elaine says, oh, by the way, can you lend me 50 bucks? So maybe just that first time it was double or nothing, and every other time it was 50 bucks. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I I guess so, yeah. Yeah. But Elaine is still, uh, let's see... Uh, 100. So the first 50, or no, the first the first 50 turned into 100 because that was double or nothing. So 100, then 50. So she's like $200, pun intended, in the hole at this point. God damn it. <laughs> uh, over at Play Now, in George's office, uh, Kramer and Darren are there, and also George, and Jerry comes in with the video camera so Kramer can document it. Uh, and he's like, I put an eight-hour tape in there or whatever, so that should be enough for the experiment and the trial or something like that. Uh, and they're rolling a big ball of oil uh, towards the window. Jerry has to use the bathroom, and it's not open to the public anymore because Jer- George padlocked it. And it is, and Jerry does call it Xanadu. It's very nice. There's lots of, you know, games and reading material and stuff in there. And George even says, I'll fix us a drink and starts walking like towards the fourth wall. (laughs) So it extends like massively. Yeah. Uh, Which at this point, I was wondering, this toilet is supposed to be perched very high that makes George feel like a gargoyle. This was just a normal toilet. Yeah. I didn't even notice that it had a handicap bar or anything like that. Continuity error. So we cut back, we're cutting like kind of back and forth in between the bathroom and George's office and Kramer's looks at Darren as they're kind of perched at the window and says, uh, you know, if you told me 20 years ago that I'd be fixing the, the world's oil spill problems, you know, I'd call you crazy. Now let's push this giant ball of oil out the window. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a great little like weird Kramer-esque pep talk, but it also reminded me of Jerry's line. And now let's go watch them cut this fat bastard open. Remember uh, in the Junior Mint episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just kind of, just kind of like thrown in, uh, almost a non sequitur. Jerry and George poke their heads out of the bathroom window, which is next door, and they notice that Claire is right under the giant ball of oil. And Jerry tries to get Claire's attention, but Claire thinks he's doing the voice because he's yelling, "Claire, hello!" Um, and <laughs> the giant ball of oil nails her and Kramer's reaction is just well that didn't work how about ketchup and mustard in the same bottle (laughs) at at this point I'm just thinking this window is on the 16th floor that is a big ass rubber ball and it is filled with oil she's dead yes yeah that is neck breaking if it if it did make any sort of contact with her (laughs) (laughs) that is neck breaking and back breaking and possibly just pancaking yeah yeah definitely that would have been i mean it took two grown men to lift it and they were struggling yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah claire's Uh, dead unless yeah unless like because we see like the the shadow silhouette rocketing towards claire's head unless she steps out of the way just enough to 
only be covered in oil from it breaking right next to her. But yeah, it could have landed in the garden man. or just on the sidewalk or something. Yeah, and then burst and covered her in oil. Yeah, but if it did make contact, yeah, that bad news. Bad news. That's death. That's instant death. <laughs> we hear some sirens as they as a uh, uh, Kramer and Darren scramble to make an exit over at Monks. Claire, they're finding out in the newspaper, Claire won a lawsuit against Play Now, which is filing for bankruptcy, which means George is out of a job. Uh, and if he would have just taken that six months, you know, he would have been set again for another a winter for a fall and a winter of George. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. And Kramer says Darren is going away for a long time, which makes me it seem like he pinned the whole thing on Darren. <laughs> I guess. So Darren's very promising future going to NYU and all that is uh is in the dumps and they all start doing the voice again and jerry remarks i'm so glad it's back and <laughs> cut to elaine and putty in bed together and elaine says or um putty says i want to break up and elaine says nuts and that's the end of the episode proper but so but that doesn't mean she owes jerry any more money because she only owes him money if they get back together right yeah and so i guess she just assumes she's gonna they're gonna get back together that it's just one more breakup on their their path back together, and that's why she said nuts. But that's it. All right. What do we got for homework this week? We got uh, the Cloud Club. What is the deal with that? Uh, the Chrysler Building. Heroin Chic. Little dive on that fashion trend. Who was the actor who played Darren? What else did he do? And was Kramerica Industries mentioned in any other Seinfeld episode prior to this one? Okay. Uh, what do you like for cover art? Good question. So much uh, going. I mean, uh, something in Monks with them doing the voice uh, might be good. Uh, just making the voice like because he kind of put his lips to the side and like talks out of the side of his mouth like somebody doing that might be good. What do you like? I, I know it has nothing to do with the episode, but I really liked uh, Jerry smoking a cigar and Elaine yeah. paying up in the montage. It's classic. It's a classic, very iconic Seinfeld scene. So I, I can't disagree with that one. Okay. Let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had, as Jerry risks losing a girlfriend over a joke, George continues to work despite being asked to leave. Period. Elaine finds breaking up is hard to do, and Kramer hires an assistant. <sighs> I mean, I, I I like the use of the word as. as that was a, That's a great way to shoehorn in. As Jerry does this, George, Elaine, and Kramer do these things. <laughs> it's a great way to elongate it. It is, but there's still a period in the middle of it, and Elaine and Kramer uh, is its own sentence. Well, that's weird. That makes it sound like it's not happening as at the same time as the rest of the episode, which it definitely is. <laughs> um, so I like the first part. I think we can make George, like, George's boss tries to get him to quit, something like that. I mean, I, I, I hate how long George's is, but I, uh, it's an important part of the thing. So as Jerry, what is Jerry's again? As Jerry risks losing a girlfriend over a joke. I like it. George's boss too. tries to get him to quit. Yeah. I, I think we can get rid of Kramer because it doesn't really add anything. And we can reword Elaine to be part of the same sentence as Jerry and George. Yeah. So George's boss tries to get him to quit. And and Elaine. Elaine's relationship. Something like has its ups and downs or something like that. You know, something along those lines. Like Elaine's relationship fluctuates. Something like that. <laughs> Elaine's relationship status <laughs> fluctuates. It sounds very scientific. Elaine's relationship. Do we like that? Starts and stops. Yeah. Yeah. Elaine's relationship starts and stops. What about, uh, and uh, um, so as Jerry blah, 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 George's boss tries to get him to quit and Elaine is in and yeah, I guess that's Elaine's relationship starts and stops, I guess is good enough. Is there a, 
What are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking there's got to be a word for something that starts and stops, like fluctuates, but let me see if I can figure out what I might be thinking of. Um, Elaine's relationship wavers, um, oscillates. <laughs> Elaine's relationship... Discontinuous. Elaine's relationship is unsteady. Uneven. On again, off again. Bursty. Elaine has a bursty relationship. Bursty. <laughs> Elaine's relationship changes how about that elaine's relationship changes waivers waivers isn't bad waivers is not bad yeah on again off again discontinuous fitful on off bursty uneven elaine's relationship and what about elaine is in an intermittent relationship no i had to look up what intermittent actually meant yeah i like intermittent okay so as jerry something something girlfriend joke George's boss tries to get him to quit, and Elaine is in an intermittent relationship. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. What did you think of this episode? You know, I had a lot of good laughs. I'm like tempted to give it a star, but it's so early. I'm like, oh, God, am I. Uh, you know what? I am going to star it because I got a lot of great laughs. And as I think I mentioned last week, like these are four great storylines in the Seinfeld universe. You know, I mean, honestly, the thing I hate the most is probably the most memorable thing about it is the voice. Like, I really didn't. Yeah, I really didn't like Jerry's storyline. I think the voice is dumb. I think the first time watching it, I probably liked it, but it's just so hack at this point. Like, it, it is one of yeah. those things that Seinfeld fans yell, love to yell at each other. Hello. Like, ah, oh, I, I hate that. Don't do that. <laughs> it should only exist in the well, show. Well, speaking of hack, uh, I feel like we have to begin our about section on our Patreon with hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think so, too. <laughs> I think that'll make us some money, in fact. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe we'll get some money from uh, uh, from people who don't know that we just hate people who consistently quote the show back and forth to each other. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I've given it a, I've given it a star, and maybe it's because you know I, I thought it was even it, it built on the summer of George, it built on the momentum that the summer of George started the season with. So we'll see if it holds up. I mean, I, I hate giving out a a star this early. I don't know why, but it, it was a great episode. What about you? <laughs> I started as well because yeah. I don't have the same moral dilemma as you uh, to not give a star to early episodes just because they're early episodes. <laughs> I I liked it. I liked it. I gave it a star. Yeah. And plus, like, you haven't lived all these years with knowing the voice. You know, it's like the voice has been a That's part of true. my life since 1997. So <laughs> I, I'm like, it, it is played for me, but it's not played for you. So I can appreciate that. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, next week we have got season nine, episode three, The Serenity Now. Again, I mean, do you know, do you have any context for this? I, I really don't. I, I know... It's one of the most merchandised singular yeah. episodes of Seinfeld. I know that TJ Maxx has a Serenity Now button that you can hit and ah. that it just has Jerry Stiller's voice on it. I don't know any of the backstory of the episode or anything. But yeah, I, I know like iconic episode of the series coming in the final season. Yes. Yeah. I'm finding that the more I kind of look at the list, I'm like, there was a lot that got done in the final season that, you know, stands with all of those earlier seasons that people loved. Mm -hmm. Well, if you are looking at TV Guide the night of October 9th, 1997, which is when The Serenity Now premiered, you are going to find, as Jerry accepts his girlfriend's challenge to get angry, George tries selling computers with his father as Elaine fends off Lippman with his teenage son. Aha! Again, I mean, these are 
three amazing storylines that everybody, you know, all Seinfeld fans know and love. So it's very interesting, again, that they're all in the same episode. Definitely the middle. Jerry's not so much, but definitely the middle two. But I think Jerry has a very funny storyline coming, and there's some funny scenes with him. So, yes, I'm excited. And I'm also, I find this notable. I, I remember two things that you maybe, well, this you can't cut out. It's very important. I am starting <laughs> my final notebook uh, of notes for yeah the serenity now will not fit in this notebook so i've got to start my new one and for my birthday sarah got me a very appropriate new journal for my seinfeld note taking that i'll I'll post a picture of on our our twitter account okay i'm starting a notebook i believe this is my fifth notebook we should add a patreon tier like 100 dollars. i'll send you one of my notebooks free shipping <laughs> you can own oh, a piece of man. history. Own a piece of history. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. I like it. Uh God. Oh, and the other thing was, oh yeah, that uh I wish I would remember to bring this up in news. You found those cool little sheets toys. Oh, I mean, they're not God. from Yeah, the They're not from clips. sheets, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Monogram International Seinfeld bag clips. I did end up getting 3 more of them. Yes. And I set I took a photo of them. Have not sent them to you yet, but did, did you get one of the here, chase characters? Me... You don't have to. You don't have to spoil it if you want me to see it. Did you get a, a random? I or whatever I, they were calling. I did it? not get one. I did not get one of the exclusives. But okay, uh, we did look it up. The exclusives are not figures. They are just like signs with sayings on them that uh, I hate. Yuck. Yeah. Yeah. It it sucks. But because uh, but you tagged exclusives... sheets in it, um, sheets responded what a fine did you see that the official sheets account yeah i did yeah hell yeah (laughs) yeah the exclusives are a sign that says no soup for you and a sign that says master of your domain it's so dumb i hate it yeah i i can't think that even the design so yeah these are so the the figures that you can get in these blind bags are jerry elaine george kramer uncle leo morty helen Manya, for some reason, why is she was yeah. from like season two? Who is two. Manya? I think she's who his, is that? His grandmother or whatever from season two. Who he says like, I hate anybody that had a pony as a kid. He's like, I had pony as a kid, and he's like, How was I supposed fuck. to know an immigrant? Yeah, I know. She's in one. She's in the pony remark, and that's it. I don't know if I tweeted about this, um, but I was really hoping that the exclusives were figures, yeah. and that one of them was Banya painted gold because a gold, gold Banya. But no, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna I want to buy the shit out of these. I can't wait to go to shoots right. and and buy some. I I am sending you the other three that I unboxed after I got two Leos. I got two Uncle two Leos Uncle the Leos. first time I got them. <laughs> and it's not just an Uncle Leo; it's Uncle Leo with the sharpie eyebrows. <laughs> and we have George, Elaine, and Morty. Yeah. That's Morty, right? Okay, awesome. Well, you still got two of the yeah, big that's ones. Morty. That's pretty good. I did. And um, we were looking at... What sheets were we at? Uh, the sheets near my dad's house in Dubois. Oh, one of the two Dubois sheets. Oh, excuse you. There's like seven Dubois sheets. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought there was like <laughs> one going into town and one going out of town or something like that. There is uh, one on the B-line. There's one in Falls Creek. There's one in town. There's one at the Blinker. Um, wow. There is. I can't believe Erie four. has like those three and, and Dubois has. And Dubois four. has four. <laughs> yep. Yep. Wow. But the the one that we were at in Dubois had a box full of them. Ah, uh, I want to hang up right now and go to Sheets. 
got to get some of these. <laughs> oh, uh, we're we're traveling, and we always stop at the Breezewood sheet, so I'm definitely going to look there. We're, we're traveling uh, Wednesday, so yeah. The one at the Grove City? No, no, Breezewood. Where is Breezewood? Breezewood is that huge, um, like, it's it's the uh, last stop before you, you, like, get off the turnpike there, and then you get on to wherever you're going. It's like the main hub of the turnpike. So I think like the turnpike, oh, okay. the turnpike like ends at Breezewood or something like that. And so then you have to decide where am I going? DC or Maryland or Virginia or whatever. Um, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. You got to so, look for these. Let me, let me know what you find. If you yeah, get any, I will. How much were they, by the way? Five bucks a piece. Damn it. Fine. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, I bought five of them. Okay. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, just, we're just, we're just pumping, uh, you know, Pennsylvania's tax dollars right back into the system. That's all we're doing. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> so we're really doing the, the market a favor. Yeah. W- would I have gotten five of these had I not gotten my unemployment? Probably not. Yeah. But this is what, you know, when people complain about what people spend unemployment on, <laughs> this is very low on this the list, but this is this still, is yeah. <laughs> They should still be angry. <laughs> they should still be very angry at us. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's very low on the list. Like we're yeah. not buying PlayStations. Yeah. Like this, this particular podcast should be played like during some <laughs> subcommittee hearing about ending benefits <laughs> because <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> just because of what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All one hour and 58 minutes of it yeah. at this point. You better listen to the whole thing. Otherwise we're coming for you. We're going to sue your asses. And you better suck. You better sub to our fucking Patreon. <laughs> yes. I better see governor.wolf at pa.state.us. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we better see that coming in. <laughs> uh, all right. Is that it? That better be it. That, that's it. <laughs> all right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. <laughs> <laughs>